telling him, I really want you to just airbrush all these seams. And he, his face kind of went, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> and then joked and I said, like, don't screw it up. You know? <laughs> um, no pressure. So, so it, was very, it was a very subtle process and he did such a beautiful, beautiful job on it. costume podcast i am spencer williams hey everyone welcome uh so elizabeth is not here today (laughs) we had a little bit of a schedule mix up so elizabeth sends her best wishes and well regards to everyone but because elizabeth's not here i sent a quick 911 text for a special guest host so everyone welcome back to the podcast lexi silverstein (laughs) I'm so happy to be back and talking about my favorite thing ever, the Hunger Games. (laughs) Hey, Lexi, welcome back. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in a hot minute. I know. I know. I'm I'm so glad that we could, you know, see each other at least on Zoom to talk about good things like costumes. (laughs) Where have you been? You've been traveling the world. You've been out and about lately. Uh, I don't even remember. I went to London and Paris for Fashion Week. Okay. Um, I don't know what else I've done. I Oh, I traveled across the country. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I drove across the country uh, on a four-day trip. That was very fun. I did a little like thrifting across the country, which is like my also other favorite thing ever. So that was a lot of fun. And then I'm going to Ohio for Thanksgiving. So that's the least entertaining nice. thing of it all. But I'll <laughs> see my family and that's exciting. The mystical land of Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to Disneyland on Thanksgiving. And I recognize that's either a very good idea or a very bad idea. I think that's yet to be seen. I think I feel like it'll be good. I don't know. I think right. that it could be like, I, I don't know. It's not usually my first thought like, oh, let's go to Disneyland on Thanksgiving. So maybe that's other people's also not first thoughts. That's what I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping no one shows up, but I just, I don't know. We'll see. I'll let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is an exciting episode because we are here to talk about the brand new film that literally just came out. So for those of you who are like, I didn't see it, we're not going to get into many spoilers. We're talking about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I happened to see Lexi post about it that she saw it. And I was like, all right, I'm calling Lexi. I need her help. It was so good. I loved it. I, it like... Listen, I rewatch. It's like a known thing. I talk about it all the time, but I rewatch all of the Hunger Games every month. It's like my nerd. I really, I did it. not know this. Yes, I like have to. It's like my favorite thing ever. And so, I, I was. Everyone's been talking about how they were either like a Barbie girl or they were like a Priscilla movie girl. And I was like, no, <laughs> I am a Hunger Games girl. Like this is nine year old me, like living out her best dreams ever. <laughs> Um, so I went, I forced, I like immediately got tickets for the day, like before the official release. And I forced my boyfriend to come with me and I left and I was like, listen, I was already like really on my hyperfixation of hunger games. Cause I was reading the book too, but 
I'm like, now I will never shut up about it. So prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited, especially me, because I actually saw the film like two months ago. So I've just been sitting patiently waiting to see how everyone's going to react to it. Are they going to love it? Are they going to hate it? You don't know with these types of fandoms, um, you know. It was so good, though. And I I could get into so much about it, but they like really killed it and they kept it really true to like the book but like sometimes book to movie adaptations are not it they killed it yeah yeah well before we say too much we have an exciting episode so let's just get all into it um but first i would love to start if lexi perhaps you will read our summary this week oh my god so much pressure guys i definitely (laughs) will though so ready (laughs) Years before he becomes the trinical president of Panem, 18-year-old Coriolanus Snow remains the last hope for his fading lineage. With the 10th annual Hunger Games fast approaching, the young Snow becomes alarmed when he's assigned to mentor Lucy Gray Baird from District 12. Uniting their instincts for showmanship and political savvy, they race against time to ultimately reveal who's a songbird and who's a snake. Mm, that was a great great summary lexi well Thanks. done i wrote it myself <laughs> no she did not That's a lot. Um, <laughs> now let's dive behind the costumes a bout of songbirds and snakes was directed by francis lawrence and the costumes were designed by one of my favorites the <laughs> this designer is literally responsible for me getting into costume design all these years ago we have costume designer trish somerville um, you will know Trish from some of her most incredible work, starting with The Girl of the Dragon Tattoo, uh, Ray Donovan, Gone Girl, for which she was nominated for a Costume Designers Guild Award, Westworld, for which she was nominated for a Costume Designers Guild Award. I love, love Westworld. Uh, the Dark Tower, Red Sparrow, for which she was nominated for another Costume Designers Guild Award, C with Jason Momoa. Mank, for which she was nominated for another Costume Designers Guild Award. And she was nominated for an Oscar nomination for Mank, which was super dope. And recently she did Slumberland as well. And for all of those that don't know, this is not Trish Somerville's first stint in the Hunger Games universe as she did the costumes for Hunger Games Catching Fire back in the day. And she was not only nominated for Costume Designers Guild Award, she won that year. So... Trish Somerville, she is the go. I love her. Uh, we got to know each other. Yeah, when I moved to when I moved to Los Angeles and I just started working in back then the Fido Museum. She was the first costume designer I ever met. And I was just like, she's so dope. And that began my journey to costume design. So everyone just gets a sense of thanks to Trish Somerville. Uh, Lexi, I'm so excited to get into this episode. But before we do that, we have a special treat as well. I'm so excited. What's the treat? (laughs) Trish Somerville is actually here. So we have a little interview coming up. So we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk to Trish all about these costumes, and after that interview, Lexi's going to come back, and we're going to talk about our favorite costumes and probably some other stuff from the film. So get ready for that. That's what we're going to talk about. Hunter Schaefer. There we go. See you all after the break. Bye. 
episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I am so excited to introduce my friend, someone who I've been wanting to interview for years now, Trish Somerville. Hey, Trish. Hi. Nice to see you again. (laughs) I know. So excited. Short story. uh, When I moved to Los Angeles in 2013, my first job was at the FIDA Museum. Um, I wasn't in costume design, but my job was to walk costume designers to their costumes and Trish was the first one I ever, first costume designer I ever met. And it was for your work on Catching Fire. So it's a full oh. circle moment. I didn't know it was your first, your first attendee. Yeah. Awesome. And I was oh. like, take this lady to her costume. So I was <laughs> like, okay. And I said, who are you calling a lady? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a full circle moment. I'm so excited to be here with you and to talk about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Such a exciting film it was crazy and i loved it oh good i'm glad you got to see it so we can really talk about it yeah well let's get into it um with that uh the bout of songbirds and snakes uh it's been a long while since catching fire which you also designed the costumes for so what was it like to return back to the world of pan am it was exciting and interesting it was nice to you know be uh back in a world with francis lawrence and um, this is some of the the team from the other films, you know, but all new characters and all new actors. So that was interesting and interesting to go into an approach of, you know, we have these four films that were kind of back to back films. And though I just did Catching Fire, you know, the fan base got to have all four that were kind of in this that were the same time frame. And then the film we're doing now is, you know, jumps 65 years backwards Right. When Snow was only 18 years of age. So really it was nice to have that opportunity to present a completely different world and a completely different view and all new characters as to how we got to, you know, the first Hunger Games and, and the other three films. Right. And you get to kind of set a whole different tone, which is what I'm really excited to talk about. The Battle of Songbirds and Snakes, like you said, takes place about 64, 65 years ago. And the Capitol, you know, kind of looks the same. It's still very sophisticated, beautiful, but also has like an eeriness to it. And it's almost like this was a Hunger Games period piece in a way, I would say. It kind of felt like we're kind of looking back at what, uh, you know, 60 years looks like at that difference in the world of Pan Am. So uh, what was it like uh, designing these costumes? I'm kind of thinking back on maybe where the costumes kind of evolved through the years. Because, uh, you know, it's 
a little bit more it's still very sophisticated but maybe not as colorful the silhouettes are a little bit different so how did you wrap your mind around that so just really working early on with francis and about what what we were wanting the world to look like and working with the production designer uh, about, you know, what the locations look like, what colors we were working with. And like you said, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of these locations hard to believe really do exist in various parts of Germany where we shot. They were really, really incredible. You know, I mean, these massive statues and these incredible buildings and parts of the Academy. So, Looking at those, I was able to see those um, image those those photographs from location scouts. So knowing that I had the liberty to work with color, because I wouldn't be competing with with the with the sets and the background, and you know wanting it to have this post war feeling because this is comes right off the heels of the rebellion. We're only into the tenth Hunger Games, which are run very differently from you know what we know much later with Katniss. So trying to keep a feel of like this American 1940s to 1950s feel to it. And that that transpired over from, you know, what we see in the Capitol to what we see in District 12. And so having it be more of that period feel and keeping it, you know, kind of tonal in certain ways, like with the, mm-hmm. with the Capitol, I seeing all the gray and all the the stone and cold kind of colors of the environment, I really wanted to use red on the school uniforms. Mm. And, you know, I, I do like this idea of, of the red, all the students flowing in. It's like, you know, a, a vein of a blood flow flowing right. to these buildings. And they stand out in high contrast to what their environments are. And even doing that with Dr. Goal in her lab, keeping her in these reds and whites in that stark environment. And then with, you know, with the capital citizens, trying to keep all their clothing in solid colors and not having a lot of print so that it, it came across as a bit more serious, a bit more cold, even though I have a color palette working there, it's a bit muted color palettes. And then when you get to the district, I wanted to show, because in this film we have the opportunity to see District 12 and the people and their and their lives outside of what the capital thinks of them and how the mm-hmm. capital perceives them. So I did want to show this sense of community these this camaraderie with the singing and the dancing and just having actually joy in their lives right and this all comes before all these people have had to witness you know numerous games upon numerous games and the killing of all these people and the sacrifice of all these people so even though they're quite controlled by the government there's a level that they have to that they're not gonna and she even says you know what can be in one of her songs it's what can be taken away from her and what can or what's worth taking and what's not and there's that joy in that community even though they're struggling and people don't have money they all come together and they can have this joy and expression and then you see in the capital where we have more money and more wealth you don't see joy or freedom or expression everybody's treated as one of many and as a number Mm. and you're all equally the same you know so i just wanted to express that in definitely in the color of the clothing and, you know, showing the difference between the lightness and the darkness of both those worlds. Right. There's like a relatability and an authenticity to these different characters, I would say. Um, I fell in love with the Academy uniforms. They were so cool. Um, I love them 
mostly because of the red color. That was going to be one of my big questions. I love the red. They were sophisticated and still scholarly, um, but they also have that Pan Am flair. And I love the neutrality of them. So talk to me about these uniforms that really you wouldn't think that the school uniforms would be the the piece that everyone's going to be talking about. But I love the uniforms. If this is what they actually look like in California, I would have been all about them. So Oh, that made, <laughs> that makes me really really happy. I mean, with with the uniforms, you know, I wanted it to be there's certain things uh I like to do as as, you know, I like to find classic pieces and 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 elevate them in a way that fits for whatever the project is that I'm working for. And, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, there's a couple films in the past that are known for their school uniforms and that's the the main look of the film. So there are challenges of coming up with something that, you know, is interesting in a school uniform, but isn't distracting. And, you know, like saying again, with the red, we chose that throughout all of the capital um, for the buildings and all the workings of the Capitol, there were certain key colors we would use. So it would be reds, grays, black, white, and a blue. And so I tried to keep every every working hired hand in the Capitol and people we tried to stay contained in that color palette. So with the students, I wanted it to be um, just an androgynous, gender neutral kind of look where it wasn't girls in skirts and boys in pants, or you got to choose your own articles you wanted to wear. Because in the capital, if you're one, you're the same, you know, mm-hmm. and so they don't ever let you feel elevated to be special, to rise up. It's keeping everyone contained, even wow. though you may get certain special treatments. It's governmental. It's keeping you contained and. And, you know, no one can rise above. And, you know, so so with the students, I, I and I love the idea of the kilt because I think the kilt is, you know, a very old article of clothing that we still use in contemporary times. And we've right. seen it every decade in some way or another. So I really wanted to use a kilt and and modernize it in a way of just being a front and a back panel for the school uniform instead of being a complete skirt all the way around. Mm. And then doing the red, like I said, because I love the idea of these stark environments with this sea of red that you see all the kids coming in, and especially when they're watching the games and you're looking back at them and it's this sea of red. Um, it's a bit of, you know, blood, it's dread, it's, you know, it represents a lot of things. And, you know, just keeping the shirts gray, again, no collars, just keeping it very simple and clean. But then also we uh, made all the buttons as academy buttons. So we cast all the buttons, you know, so they have the academy symbol on them. But yeah, I I was really, it was definitely a struggle uh, with these, these uniforms and the mass amount that we had to make. Oh yeah, Um, I could, during the games, there was oceans of them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And procuring enough fabric, you know, because you're talking about you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards of fabric um, to make them. And we had so many students. And so you have to make an excess amount of uniforms so you can do all the fittings. And then you have to have extra, you know, because we shot so many days. So it was a lot besides all like, you know, all the mentors are in it and they all have doubles of their, of their uniforms. So it was a lot of red fabric. Is there any red fabric left in the world? (laughs) What's hard though is all one, type of fabric it was right. you know this wool blend that we got and um and then just making sure the dye lots all match because a lot of times when you get fabric you know one bolt they're supposed to all be the same color but you know a dye lot can be different each time so it was really tricky 
Right. <laughs> Man. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. That sounds so difficult. Um, I want to dive into now some of the main characters of the story. Each of them had very specific styles. Um, the main character is, of course, um, story revolves around Coriolanus Snow, played by Tom Blith. And I was just immediately infatuated with Snow because especially that tailored shirt that Tigress makes for him in the beginning. It's just immediately you're like, I know I'm not supposed to like this guy eventually, but I know he's a snappy dresser and we're kind of into <laughs> it. Um, so talk to me about just designing the main look for Coriolanus when he's not in his uniform. So um, in the book, it does it does reference, you know, and I try to keep try to keep certain key points uh, in the book in, you know, in the film for us where it pertained to costumes. And so in the book, it does say how Tigris is re refurbishing the shirt that was his father's shirt. Mm. And she has to come up with something great for him to wear to, you know, to the Academy for this awards ceremony. And and how she pops these tiles out of a wall and makes buttons out of them. Wow. So so we cast these buttons that are kind of a mosaic, like a mosaic tile that are that are gold, white, and black. And then I handed the samples off to the production designer so that when he was working with his construction crew and, and art director, how he can incorporate them into the tiles in the wall in the bathroom. And um, and then thinking in my mind of like, okay, the base of the shirt could be this white tone on tone texture of the shirt. And then the things that Tigress would add to it would be these buttons. And then she would make this kind of tuxedo front to the shirt. So by adding fabric there to make it special. So it was trying to make him stand out and look special, but also try and think of like, what reasoning could we have for, for Tigress to, to make changes to this shirt? And then, um, and Tom has really broad shoulders. So I didn't mm. want to put him in a sport coat here because I, I wanted him to have some movement and to stand out and have a bit of white around him, um, for, you know, for the, all these scenes and keep him different than other people. Cause you figure we have all the other mentors to dress. And in that section, uh, the mentors could all wear their own clothing the day as a celebratory thing for the ceremony, whereas every other time we see them are always in uniforms. So for that, uh, everybody's everybody's dressing up in their, you know, their best clothes or right. they bought something. He's ready special. to accept some prize money too. <laughs> yes. And so they're they're all they're all dressed up for this very special occasion. But again, wanting to keep all the mentors in the colors of the capital, which is the the black, the white, the red, the gray, and blue. And so there's some navies in there too. Um, and so, yeah, so that was Tom's look for that. And then, um, not wanting him to be stuffy in a coat because he wears a coat every day, you know, for the Academy. And then also that's an expense he doesn't have. He doesn't mm. have a proper coat. Um, and then we have his Academy look. He also goes through, you know, fatigues where he's in boot camp and he has the blue fatigues on. And then he becomes a peacekeeper. And so he has, you know, his peacekeeper uniform, which is the, the dove gray. 
And then at the very end, we were referencing it as his new man look because it's when he's come (laughs) back and he's this new man after experiencing so much life in such a short period of time. And um, in the books, it says he's in a white suit and having conversations with Francis, I asked if like I could lean into the colors of the academy and of the of the capital. So if he was trying because he's trying to sneak around and I said, if he's trying to sneak around, you know, a white suit's probably not the best thing to sneak around and keeping him where he's in the same color tone but he's elevated and more sophisticated and he has money now. So he's come back as this new man and, and keeping him very statuesque and intimidating. I loved that new man look. It just, you could tell he was the boss. Something had definitely changed in that moment. <laughs> and, it, and it's also trying to, to bring in like, you know, the fabric we used on his, on his waistcoat and the coats and the color is also stuff I did with Donald Sutherland and catching fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so trying to, to have that tie in of like, this is where he's going, you know, cause you know, I right. had a reference of what Donald Sutherland's character snow was like. Wow. That, that's incredible. What a, what a great direction you had there. Uh, all right. Now let's talk about the dress that everyone's been talking about uh, in good ways. Uh, Lucy Graybeard played by Rachel Zegler at uh, this beautiful dress, which I believe I, I started to read a little bit. It's referenced quite a bit in the book as well. So I imagine there was quite a lot of pressure with this specific look, knowing it's going to be featured so prominently and all the fans are probably waiting for it. So Tell me about this look and what what kind of materials is that like a rainbow mesh? It's so beautiful. <laughs> and thank you very much for all that. But yes, there was, you know, a pressure in ways or or actually goals to hit. Um, mm. You know, it's I, I've said many times I'm, I'm really appreciative of like our fan base and how they are, are dedicated to all these movies and are invested and care and want to see things. And that's really nice. And so, you know, there, I did want it to be, um, you know, true to the, when, or, you know, off the page when I'm first reading rainbow ruffle dress, it kind of spins in my head a lot of what could that be. Right. And so, um, there's things I wanted to happen. I wanted to again tie into the, you know, uh, the Hunger Games, the Catching Fire film that I did and have some relation between Katniss and Lucy. And so with that, I chose to do like this corset shape that mimics the same corset shape of, uh, of Katniss's Mockingjay dress, the blue wow. dress where she spins and the wings come out. So I wanted to keep that corset shape. And then within that, um, using a lot of color to, to help mimic rainbow, using a lot of color in the corset. And you could see there's hand painted snakes that go around the chest and down around the waist into the back. There's yellow snakes and green snakes. And then um, on the front is the flowers that are Katniss flowers and Primrose flowers. So tying that into, uh, you know, Katniss and her sister Primrose in the film. And then so for the tool skirt, it was figuring out what could I do that showed a rainbow that would also work functionally because she has to do so many stunts and action and crawling around. And she's in this dress for a very, very, very long time. She's in this costume for a very long time. 
I was shocked so, that she wore it so long. I just, I kept thinking about you, actually. I was like, there's probably 200 of these dresses. <laughs> I wish we could have had the time and money to make 200 of that dress. But we had, we had between eight and 10, depending on like the ones for the stunt, the ones for her, the layers of the skirt, because the skirt is actually three layers um, underneath. And then we, then I made her little, uh, little like long petticoat like bloomers underneath so mm -hmm. that she could just run around freely and have action and not worry about her skirt really coming up on camera and also so we could hide pads as well for when she had to do a lot of things um so the skirt is a pot d'esprit is the base layer of the top skirt there's two on two layers also underneath that pot d'esprit but on the on the top layer it was um uh, it's tool and it's actually Mm. hand cut ruffles and sheared it's hand cut and sheared ruffles of tulle and we luckily you know it was looking for fabrics that we could use that had a bit of stretch and give to it because of all the action she, to, she would have to do so it wouldn't just tear every time right and and so that helped us with that top layer and with the tulle and then we rigged it where each piece was separate and snapped together so that if she did rip some of the top skirt we could switch it out or we also had pre-made strips of each color of the tool handy in case one ripped off we could stitch it back on but yeah it was it was definitely a project of love part of it was made in los angeles at western costume and part of it was made in in berlin wow. the corset and all the hand painting was done in berlin um with my team there and yeah, I mean, it was, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. I thought it looked really beautiful. It looked amazing on Rachel. She was very happy. Um, and even like with, you know, with the peasant top, like the top is a whole, you know, separate piece that's a bodysuit. And so it's just, you know, it's just to below her breasts of that blouse. And then the rest was a bodysuit lightweight so that it would stay down and stay together. So it it was definitely, you know, and there's, and there's, <laughs> and there's hands smocking around the wrist that you kind of can't see, but are, that are in rainbow colors. And then doing the granny boots, because I feel that's a timeless yeah. shoe. And it also supported her ankles so she could run around. It leaned into my ideas of like that she's a vaudeville entertainer, a musician, <laughs> a can-can girl. So it worked yes. really well that way. <laughs> I love that. It worked out so perfectly. And again, it was so impressive that, you know, it was able to sustain so long in the film too. It, you don't really see that too often. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this next character, uh, Dr. Gall. Uh, played by Viola Davis. And I have to say, you probably won't guess it, but my favorite costume of the entire film was actually her lab coat. It is oh, so sick. The gradient of the blood red going into the gloves. I, every time you came up on screen, I was just so excited to see it again. Uh, so tell me about working with Viola Davis and these costumes where you know, this is really where you kind of saw the hunger games of it all, I would say, is in this character in particular. Yeah, and it was that thing of where I knew she was someone that I could make a bit more progressive because mm -hmm. of her exposure to the world, um, her being a scientist, and, you know, it's like the cultivation of progression. So with her um, in this lab, again, like, like this is a location, this lab is a location, and then they, you know, then the set deck is all these amazing shelving and creatures and the lighting. There were these lights that came down above the columns, above these skylights. So it really lit and was beautiful. And all the creatures they brought in were great. But so I wanted to, again, do red there because of the color of the academy. 
and also as intimidation as it is it looks like the very scary the saturation <laughs> of blood and i knew she was going to have this scene where she's sewing up tom's shoulder and i love the idea of the red gloves the latex gloves against that um so again it was this you know francis kept referencing her as like uh you know gene wilder in uh Willy Wonka, the original Willy Wonka. <laughs> and then for me, I leaned in. That makes the, sense, actually. I don't know. Right? How. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and then I leaned into like, it's a mad scientist and it's a bit of Dr. Frankenstein because there's that serious level as well, but she's also quite playful. So she was just really brilliant to dress because she does let you do anything. And she is this blank slate that comes in. And, you know, as you're working with her, she just starts transforming into this character and you know, the voice slightly changes and she has, you know, these little hand gestures and this giggle. (laughs) That's so accurate. (laughs) Yeah. She's so, yeah, she's really, really, she was just a joy to work with and looked phenomenal and, and took this on and and she had just come off of doing uh, the woman King and press for that. Mm, So I tried to make her look older and larger than, you know, than what she actually is. So um, her makeup artist was, and Hair, her makeup and hair team are phenomenal and they made this incredible beautiful wig and did like a, you know some scarification on her face and did this kind of milky eye and it was all in reference to you know like you know mishaps in in her in her laboratory that could have happened or creatures that kind of went wrong and so uh so yeah it was just I really love her character and oh, yeah. and how much presence she commands and how afraid of how afraid everyone is of her I was afraid of her. Every like I loved her, but I still was nervous every time she came on screen. Uh, yeah. I think it had to do with the the gloves too. I don't know why, but it just felt like she was constantly like dripping in blood. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I don't want her to touch me, but <laughs> but don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's um, always in, also encouraging, but then terrifying. <laughs> right, right. I want to be her friend, not her enemy, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I want to fit in uh, talking about Tigress uh, because we know Tigress from the former films and i mean this must have been a costume designer's dream knowing that you're going to be having a character who's basically known as the stylist of pan am uh, but yet tigress still you know was very concerned about what everything that was happening and i kind of felt like her costumes are almost like her armor in a way where that's how she expresses herself but still holds a lot of well concern for her her family at this time so uh, yeah. tell me about tigress especially that look that she wore to um, the games. It was such a beautiful look. That silhouette is crazy. Thank you. Um, So with Tigress, yeah, having that character to dress is great. And then when it's, you know, casting as Hunter Schaefer, you get the double win-win. Perfect, <laughs> perfect casting. Yes, like, you're like, could there be another Tigress? No. Like, you know. So, yeah, so that was really a joy. And she's so lovely and everything she put on i mean we could have dressed her endlessly like every single thing we put on was like maybe how could we work in another costume you know (laughs) but um so with her costume there's uh you know lily ann you know the designer um was a fashion designer uh really prominent in the 40s and so you know kind of going with some of those silhouettes where it was the extreme peplum and a strong shoulder and a very narrow skirt and so staying true to like that 40s kind of feel but then leaning into you know like a like a you know 40s or 50s balenciaga shoulder and bringing that out and so just having her reign a bit of the in in the capital 
but still having it be authentic to, you know, a 40s and 50s kind of inspiration. And so with this piece, what I wanted to do was showing, you know, sewing the seams on the outside so mm, that it mm-hmm. looks a bit frayed. So it looks, you know, she's she's maintaining it. She's repurposing pieces because she is talented and is a designer in her own right that she's able to keep the family looking presentable out to the world where they're really struggling inside. So with her clothes, I always had a little bit of fraying on them or like with this, as you're seeing in the, in the illustration and in the portrait, it's the discoloration. So it looks Mm. like it's also faded. So we airbrushed all the edges and airbrushed a darker fuchsia tone along the seams. Um, And so, and it was, it was really great too, because the patina team, uh, Jan, who headed up the patina team, you know, I bring him and we have two. So I bring him one right. and I'm telling him, I really want you to just airbrush all these seams. And he, his face kind of went, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> and then joked and I said, like, don't screw it up. You know, but, um, no so, pressure. So it, was a very, it was a very subtle process and he did such a beautiful, beautiful job on it. He and his team were just lovely and amazing. So yeah, so that's kind of her and trying to keep her in the colors of like these happier tones because she is trying to remain hopeful and she's always optimistic and she is terrified of what's happening in the world. And like you said, you know, her, her, her clothing is her armor. It's the way she can protect herself and then present something that's not really happening internally for her, you know, and, and wanting to be the role model and, you know, the arm of the family that is, is keeping the prestige of the name. So, yeah, so her costumes were really important. It, it just came out. It was worth the wait. I was very excited to see Tigress. I have to say my only regrets <laughs> and it's jokes I always with have with Francis, like the hospital scene that she's in. I'm like, can't Tigress walk into the hospital <laughs> not just sitting and yeah, chest because, yeah because that costume also was beautiful it was like these really big fuchsia crepe uh palazzo pants that we made and this beautiful <laughs> top with the strong shoulders and the rosettes at the neck so yeah i felt like a little kid in the theater i was like okay tigress is coming up what's she gonna be wearing i'm oh, so excited yeah. <laughs> well Tr- trish i'm so excited to see you it was such a great film and just for my final question looking back on it all I mean, what did this project mean to you and your crew to uh, do for the world to see this now all the fans finally get to see this incredible film I mean, it is, it, it's, it was, it's really big. It was a really, really big film as far as for, um, you know, amount of costumes and people we had in it. Also, it's really, you know, we shot in Poland and in Germany, in various areas of Germany, and it's a really, really big film for them. So that's also really great. great. And they had a cast and crew that not cast, but they had a crew screening and to get feedback from that and how excited they all were to finally get to see it because, you know, we shot this a year ago. So I think all that's been really nice and really rewarding to hear all the positive, especially from the crew and see and finally getting to see because as you go along, a lot of times they don't get to see all the hard mm-hmm. work they've put in. And I'm really excited for the audience and to get feedback on what that is because it is so vastly different from the other films. And I think it's a nice, refreshing change of you know, where it's going, what it looks like, and what more could come from this, you know, so I'm, I'm right. really excited to see what people think. And, and as a little teaser, we're working on a very small collaboration um, of, a oh. very, of a very um, street wearable 
uh, merchandise and a little bit of jewelry that we're doing as an inspiration wow. and nod to the film. So it'll be nice to see what the fans think of that too. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. A little drop yeah. there. Well, I'm excited for everyone to see it. Um, you know, even if you expect if you know what you're walking into, I just have to say you're you so wrong. Know. Yeah. This <laughs> film is so different in such you a great way. You know, but you don't know. There are some twists and turns. Costume designer Trish Somerville, oh. thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad oh, I finally got to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so nice to see you again, even if it's just via Zoom and virtually. Yeah. Well, we got to hang out and get coffee soon. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations to you on this. It's a great podcast. I'm oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank You've you. had so some sweet. great, great, great guests that I've listened to. Oh, well, now you're one of them. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the podcast, here to let you know that if you wanted to support the show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome Tee Public merch with the podcast logo, such as a shirt, coffee mug, stickers, and of course, a baby onesie. Thanks for all your support. Welcome back from break. Lexi, that was an interview. <laughs> I I loved it. I learned so much about like all of the little details that I never would have noticed about those costumes. So that's really, really fun. <laughs> Trish is just so cool. And, you know, I hear it's this thing where like she killed it so hard and catching fire. What's she going to do now? And I just think that this was such a treat. I was obsessed with the academy uniforms those red with the kill i i need that i need that in my closet no i love i the way i would quite literally wear that is is insane but no it's it's it was such a good costume i also love for like the premiere they had like them some of the people wearing those costumes did you see that and they were like yeah for the premiere but they were wearing the costumes like that's so cool so cool i need that but in black though of course right but, right uh, red <laughs> crazy for you red would freak people I out. Would be, something would be terribly wrong if i saw spencer wearing a red full <laughs> as a academy <laughs> outfit that would be crazy <laughs> but then also like uh, the Lucy Graybeard costume, that one, I can imagine how nerve-wracking it would have been to do that costume because, you know, I mean, the fandom is very serious about this sort of thing. Yeah. And I think she translated it from the book so well. Doing that skirt out of mesh, that I mean, that feels close to impossible. No, it was such a good... And I loved the details that she was talking about, how, like, the corsetry had, like, the snakes on it, but then it had the primroses and the... Katniss and the Katniss on it right and I was like yeah like that's so much I first of all never would have known that but right. that's just such like attention to detail and just incredible and you guys mentioned but there was it was really important like in the books mm -hmm. like that this dress had like an impact on how the capital saw Lucy Graybeard so I yeah. think it was 
totally represented well in the movies. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know Katniss and Primrose was a flower, so I would never have got it. Okay, so <laughs> you watch the movies because Peter plants the Primrose, remember, in the last one? <laughs> I have a dark spot in my memory every time PETA was on screen, so no. What? <laughs> oh, we not... are going to fight over that. I'm but not a PETA fan. <laughs> that's ins- Are you a Gale fan? I was a neither fan. Okay. I was, I was going to say, I was Gale is fully on team Effie Trinket in every And film. that's valid, as you should. But <laughs> I do think that the Primrose is a dead giveaway considering Rose is in it, but that's okay. I'll let you have it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I, didn't, I didn't ask you to be on this episode to make me look dumb on my own podcast. <laughs> well, you should have known what you were getting yourself <laughs> All right, Lexi, this is the moment you've been waiting for. We have to talk about Coriolanus. I'll start by saying that his costumes were sick. That white tailored shirt at the beginning, honestly, is one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen and now I will give you the floor to say whatever it is you've been (laughs) waiting to say for the past 24 hours (laughs) they were not supposed to make President Snow attractive how are you not supposed to like him I was looking at there was a TikTok and it was like some of the um, reviews from uh, this movie and they were like how can you like he can't be a bad guy if he's good looking and all like, <laughs> facts like come on why'd they do that but no I loved this I didn't realize that like he didn't have a jacket that's why listening to the podcast was so interesting because it's like I was kind of wondering because he's wearing this you know shirt and this vest and it looks like he should have like some sort of suit jacket with it but since they were saying like he didn't have like the money for it like having a jacket like that wasn't something that they could have so that's so like interesting like the again the attention to detail um but I also this is like this specific shirt was talked about in the book and how um not Katniss Tigress like made it and um I think the uh, what's his Peter Dinklage but what's his character's name uh the whatever he makes he makes a comment about how like it smells like potatoes or something like that and it was because like Tigress used what they had to make the shirt. So I think it was really like just interesting to see that kind of come to life. And I think what's really interesting is like they're so poor that they can't afford food. But that's why I mean, costume design in any movie is so important. But That's why I feel like it was so specifically important in here, because even though they didn't have money to afford food, they're still wearing these like amazing outfits. And I think it's because you know they're trying to still have like the effect that they are rich even though they're not and they're trying to kind of cover off the fact that they're poor the costume design is just so like interesting because they're working with what they got but like they still manage to like look this amazing yeah i mean it's kind of like do or die for them if they don't you know if they don't succeed in what snow's trying to do with these games they're that's why tigress is so team snow you know working doing her best to just make him look the best he can and she succeeds and also uh snow is hair goals by the way i just want when he at the very end of the film when he's walking up to the fountain with that short hair i was like oh Almost took that to supercuts with me on my phone. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. The way he pulled off all of the different hair colors or hair cuts too. And like. The short one too. The buzz. That was another one of the comments. They were like, moral of the story, never trust a guy in his buzz cut era. 
That was so funny. But no. Okay, quick. Harry Styles buzz cut, yay or nay? <laughs> okay, listen. He looks great no matter what, but his curls were iconic and I'm sad. But Anne, his mother, made an Instagram post essentially like mothering us, being like, do not hate on my son. And it was the best. <laughs> it literally, like, go look at it. It was the best Instagram post I've ever seen. I was like, that's exactly what my mother would do if I was getting paid. <laughs> And she was like, I feel like I should time your Harry Styles responses. You get 30 right, seconds. Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. No, no, no. Bring no. it up if you don't want me to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but in his buzz cut era, I get what you're saying, but he looked good. I I almost want to shave my head after two. Um, one of my favorite characters, though, was Viola Davis as Gaul. I mean, that red costume with the gloves it's just like stop it i'm obsessed with it so every time she was on screen i was just i could feel myself like losing my breath yeah i sat really close <laughs> on <after laughs> to the screen and it was imax so it was huge uh, so was you got like, the close-up details. i got a close-up of everyone but i was looking like every time viola came on screen i was looking so closely at like the details her makeup was insane like i just loved looking at it but those gloves were terrifying like yeah. I did i thought they were like actually her skin for a second and i was like what is going on mm -hmm. i thought that the gloves were so cool um but no her costumes were incredible and this like i guess it's her lab coat that's a yeah. very slay lab coat yeah um, this is her work uniform <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've never seen like a lab coat like that before but it literally looks like it's like blood rained down on her which is terrifying but like I love it oh. yeah okay. and then Trish said like she re she was preparing for that part where she was gonna be sewing up uh Snow's back and just like with the bloody I mean yeah the storytelling everyone involved in this film deserves a very healthy high five because it is so good with the production and you know, the sets and uh it's just all worked so beautifully i'm very very happy with how this film came out it could have went very wrong after right. all these years and it went very right i think that it's hard when there's like so much hype around something and like there's a long time in between stuff like you're just so excited but i was definitely not let down yeah and then we have to end with talking about tigress uh i <laughs> this is your I, time to shine <laughs> i just have such a crush on hunter <laughs> i'm obsessed with her she's so beautiful and the way that she could wear clothes too is just it's toxic it's so good just the way trish designed especially that one look she wore to the games mm -hmm. with the shoulder pads and just that silhouette it is I mean, there should be a museum for all of Hunter's looks in this film. And then she's taking the show on the road for all this press and also just working with her stylist to look incredibly amazing in everything she does. I'm obsessed with Hunter Schaefer and I cannot think of a better person to play Tigress. Perfect. And also Hollywood, if you're listening, I know you're getting ready to cast for that Legend of Zelda movie. You're looking at the only choice for Zelda and I will fight anyone who wants to step to me about that. No, she was perfectly casted. I do because in the interview, you guys were talking about how, like, in the hospital, Tigress is sitting and how she was actually wearing something phenomenal. Like, I'm like, I want to see all of those. Right. 
Because I'm like, that's like, she's a stylist. Like, you know, she's going to be serving. Yeah, she just got like, that. you're so right. She had like a couple seconds where she just walked in and we were all like, uh, what is she wearing? <laughs> what is she and wearing? It, like... <laughs> it's like when people show up for the Met Gala and you're trying to figure out like, what are like, who is it? What are they wearing? It's like, yeah. this was my Met Gala. <laughs> I saw someone say on you know one of the social media apps that they should do like, a, another prequel movie that's just about Tigress. And that'd be so cool if they do like a Corella type prequel movie yes. about Tigress. That, that would, would be, be sick. So cool. That and then because I was because that's been a big question of like how this Tigress became the Tigress that we know in the yeah. original movies. Um people were also talking about doing like a Finnick and Hamage movie, which I would die for. Yeah, I I had a feeling you're gonna say that. Die for. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be so fun. Um, and Hunter and Trish have to come back for that. Yeah. And with that, Lexi, as you remember, we like to play a little game here. Are you ready to play one costume to rule them all? <laughs> There's so many good things, but yeah. <laughs> okay, hit the music, Daniel. The one costume to rule them all. Okay, Lexi, I think I'll go first to give you a little bit more time. Uh, as I said in an interview with Trish, my favorite costume was, of course, the red lab coat that Dr. Gall wears. Uh, the bloody ombre one with the red latex gloves. It was just breathtaking. Every time I saw it, I just thought this was... you never seen anything like this. You, you'd think like with a lab coat, she'd just be wearing like a white trench coat type thing. And maybe like some blue gloves. But no, of course not at the Capitol. And I just feel like something so simple was so beautiful. Um, that ombre is just so good. And the gloves. I mean, this whole costume is just so sick. I think Trish and her team killed it with this costume. I think, though, my second runner-up, though, has to be Tigress's pink Hunger Games look. I mean, that one was so cool. I like the gray-beard costume, but I just feel like, I don't know. I just love all of them. This is a hard one to pick a costume. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so hard. I am going to go with a basic answer and then say the Lucy Graybeard just Because <laughs> I, I loved it already. Like, in general, I feel like the cubby, like, I feel like I would, if I were to be in the Hunger Games, I would be in the cubby because that fashion is, like, my my style. Yeah. But I feel like that's why. <laughs> that's so true, actually. It's so I, true. Everything they wear, I was like, wait a minute, that's giving me some inspo. But but, um, I loved it in general. And then I listened to the podcast and I heard those little details. And that's one of my favorite things about movies and stuff is like the Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like, wait, just kidding. I'm not going to say that because it's in the movie. Um, But I, (laughs) the fact that the dress had like the primroses and the Katniss detail like killed me. Uh, so learning about all of that was just really interesting. But I, I think in general, too, um, I, when reading the books, I feel like that dress has like a really big impact. So I was most excited to see how it would become. And I was not disappointed in the slightest. Yeah, the way that she was able to translate that from the pages is just really incredible to me. Oh, good. It's like also not because when I hear rainbow, I was thinking like a little something not necessarily quite as beautiful as she ended up making it yeah rainbow could go tacky really fast really fast really fast and so i was like this is like this is oh it reminds me because you know Peta makes the line where he's like 
oh orange and she's like like Effie's hair is they're talking about their favorite colors and he's like is mine's orange and Katniss goes it's like Effie's hair and he's like no like the sunset her dress is like the sunset like it's like <laughs> it's beautiful um yeah so that one that one's my winner that's such a good one and then like Trish said they had to make like just so much ruffle just in case right. it ripped right thing, so they could quickly my friend uh, Natalie Lucia who's been on a podcast she actually did a recreation of this exact dress and she was texting me throughout the whole thing like this mesh is gonna kill me Literally. I just feel oh man such a crazy dress and while we're still on the subject I have a picture up for Lexi the the look that we see Lucy Graybeard wear I think that's back in a districts toward the end with the purple skirt. That is a very Lexi look. Tell me I wouldn't wear it. Oh, I yeah. would wear it in a second. I, any of the cubby looks, I was dying. I was like, that is so me. But I was also, I was, because I was watching it and I was talking, I was interested about the shoes. Cause I was like, yeah. like I'd be wearing sneakers. Like, I don't know. But obviously like that's, they were on their press tour or whatever. And she was saying that Lucy Gray Baird is a performer forced to like fight and Katniss is a fighter forced to perform Mm -hmm. I think that that's like relevant is like you know she's wearing her cute little performing covey outfit but like they were you and Trish were talking about how like they're still they're good shoes they support her ankle she can run around and I didn't really think about that so it was interesting to hear that aspect of it too yeah so fun well that is it for Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Thank you to costume designer Trish Somerville for joining. And thank you, Lexi, for being here. I'm so glad I got to see you. Oh, my God, of course. <laughs> I'll come back anytime. anytime. I know. You got to tell me what movies or shows I'm not allowed to not have you on a podcast for. Because she's been very upset about Hamilton. But it was you're here to literally the next week. Listen, <laughs> if there's one thing about me. I know all of Hamilton. I can't believe I wasn't even thought. It's fine. I'll just cry about it later. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for having me on. This was so fun. Of course. Uh, And if you all felt the same way, if you want to tell us what your one costume to rule them all was from Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, don't forget our voicemail is 626-515-1826. Remember, we don't answer the phone, so don't be scared. No one's going to pick up. So... (laughs) You can also send us an email at theartofcostume at gmail.com. And of course, follow us on Instagram at theartofcostumepod, TikTok at theartofcostume, our merch store is open uh, if you go to artofcostume.com slash podstore. And never forget to leave us a five-star text review on Apple Podcasts because that really does help. And Lexi, where can everyone follow you on all of your uh, global travels? Yeah, my Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are all at Lexi Silverstein, like my name. That's L-E-X-Y, silver like the color, S-T-E-I-N. And my blog is alexify.com that's e-l-e-x-y-f-y.com thank you and what about your podcast oh my podcast i forgot you can literally listen to my (laughs) podcast wherever you listen to podcasts it is alexify the place for fashion oh amazing and there's a great episode with me on it if you travel (laughs) back into the archives (laughs) (laughs) which i accidentally saw on youtube the other day it was a jump scare Right. <laughs> it will be there too. <laughs> I was like, oops, oh, is that me? <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. And don't forget to join us next week because we only have three episodes left this year. So we're getting into our holiday season with the most Christmas movie I could think of. 
<laughs> Everyone's gonna eye roll. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> it's a holiday movie. So next week, Elizabeth will be back and we'll be discussing the costumes of Edward Scissorhands designed by the one, the only Colleen Atwood. So get ready for that. Only three episodes left. Thank you all so much for joining and may the odds be ever in your favor. I love that. That was such a good ending. <laughs> The Art of Costume podcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on TikTok at The Art of Costume and Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more podcast updates, costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, go to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.